Welcome to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell, where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture, team development, and the future of the safety industry. If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions, head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Let's get started. All right, welcome everyone back to the True Safety Podcast. My name is Apollonia Rockwell and I have the only Beck Corbin here today and she is with Protect All Solutions near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I am so excited to have you here today. How are you? I'm so good, Apollonia. I think that this has been a long time coming. So yes, I'm really excited to be here too. It really has been. We, um, for the audience's knowledge, we've had a conversation um, a few years back almost, maybe just a year ago, but um, just kind of around the non-traditional route of safety and mindset around safety. But I just want to start from the beginning and just kind of understand, first of all, your story and how in the world did you get into safety? Because I because I know you have an oil and gas background like I do, and but I know that that's just a piece of it. And there's so much in your world. So take us from the beginning. How did you get, how did you land at Protect All? And yeah, bring us, bring us to your safety professional journey now. Well, it's really, it's really a funny story because I never, you know, if you would have asked me 15 years ago or in high school or whatever, like anything about safety, I would have been like, what are you even talking about? Like, what do you, what, what does that mean? (laughs) Um, so I was in school for a, a business management marketing degree, working full time in retail and just kind of like doing my thing. Um, I ended up transitioning to a couple of other little jobs here and there, just trying to like figure it out. Right. You know, when you're like early twenties and you're like, what am I doing? What am I going to do with this degree? What's next? Yes. And I ended up working at a hotel. Okay. Desk of a hotel. And it was right around the time that this basin here in, in the Northeast was really starting to ramp up in the oil and gas industry. Okay. I got to know these, these different people and these different managers, you know, as they were um, making travel arrangements, right. For their guys that were coming in from all over the country. And to make a long story short, I essentially ended up getting recruited by one of them, which was, who was responsible for establishing a safety services division here in Pennsylvania. Um, based out of West Texas. Oh my gosh. So that took you, that recruitment took you from your home to where, where did you relocate? If you did relocate at all? No, I didn't even have to relocate. They were they were basically opening a branch of their already existing company here in the Northeast to support the business that was inevitably, you know, coming in. And um, I thought, right, that, okay, I've got this business degree. Maybe they need some, like, business help, <laughs> like, whatever that means, you know. And, um, and I found myself surrounded with things like, you know, these terms like, metacarpal gloves and personal gas detection. And I was, you know, helping my, 
my managers rip apart Pelican cases so we could stuff them with SCBAs and drive them down to Kentucky and fit test the guys so they could work on an, an H2S well. And I'm like, whirlwind, like, what is what going- I doing? Yeah. What, what, what is safe? Yeah. What is safety? And you found out really quick. They were probably like, it's funny just how similar our stories are and that you get thrown into something that you didn't really know what it all entails, a safety program, a safety culture, but you just got in and did it. So did they have an existing program at that point or was it you know, they were established business. So they had something, but they just needed you to take it to the next level or what? Yeah. So I think early on they, they saw in me that I was a good communicator and would make a good trainer. And I mean, I'm still in touch with, with my, my supervisor from then, you know, to this day, he's actually, he's actually in Colorado over there. Um, but I think that they just wanted to expand in this market. So part of my training, right, was to go to their existing facility in West Texas and learn from their trainers and and from their people and kind of just like see what was going on. But I am so forever grateful for that, um, like boots on the ground. I know it's kind of cliche, but that true boots on the ground safety approach that taught me we have the book, we have our regulations, we have these systems and tools, but then we have what actually happens. And our job, and this is where I feel like my niche is, like where I love to be is, how do we bring those two as close together as possible? Because if we're achieving for it to be by the book, then then it's, it's just, it's going to fail. Like every single time we have to we have to find out like how can we creatively follow the rules, keep our people safe, remain productive, but still make it feasible, you know, for our for ourselves and, and for our people at work. And that's really what I was able to learn like right out the gate. That was just all I knew. Oh my gosh. Like and it's already so clear that you are gifted in communication and and being able to articulate a message because I think I've never heard it said this way before, but the way you just um, summarized our mission as safety professionals, or maybe in my mind, it should be a mission as safety (laughs) professionals is taking what the regulations tell us, taking what actually happens in the field and bringing them, like you said, as close as possible possible. That is a great way to communicate that, to paint a picture because they're not going to be here. You're exactly right. And what, and, and wow. So I think a lot of people can relate to what you're talking about and they can relate to the struggles and the daily challenges of, all right, I'm trying my hardest. We're trying to get into compliance, but I'm stuck by X. I'm stuck by leadership. I'm stuck by um, not enough resources. And so how did you land today? So fascinated with culture. What, at what point in your career did you realize, hey, this isn't about safety, isn't about regulations. It is about regulations, but it's not all about regulations. It's about people. And so when did you figure that out? Well, that first 
safety opportunity, I was very much a consultant, you know, or, or just people would come in, they would get trained in safe land, and then I would never see them again. You know, that, right. that totally happened, right? Um, several, you know, like a, a little over a year, I would say, or so later, um, I ended up getting an opportunity to work as a, an actual like in-house safety person, right? Okay. So at this point, I was hired on as an assistant safety rep. And then by the time I left, I was over the Northeast here for this wellhead and, and flowback company, which again, had a lot of resources, incredible forward thinking management. Ooh. And I think it was really there that when I'm in it every single day with the employees, you know, getting to know them, getting to know their, um, you know, their spouses and hearing about their kids and seeing them you know, roll in a little late and just not feeling themselves. And you know what I mean? You, you start to just, your perspective changes and, you know, I, I would be lying if I said that I didn't try to like force a program to happen. Right. Yeah. As did I. Yeah. I think a lot of people do, they don't know in the beginning. It's like, well, I, I know what the end goal looks like. So I'm going to push for that. Right. But okay. Yeah. Go go ahead. So, you know, I, I'm not going to lie and say that I just like learned it overnight, but you, you try it that way, but I, but it doesn't work. I mean, I think what makes, what has made me most confident and successful in what I'm doing and the feedback from the people that I've worked with over the years is that I, I do see our employees as people. Like I see the people that I work with as, as friends and as brothers and sisters. And, you know, I'm not going to, um, I I wouldn't treat them any differently than if I would want to like expect something from my children or my friends and family that are in my life. Right. So it's like, how can we use that human element? How can we get that buy-in through not like twisting people's arms and convincing them or, or saying like the company wants us to do it, but like genuinely, how can we make it a system right? That, that is more about culture and results that everyone's like, yeah, you know, like Becca explained, like, why we want to wear our, our gas detection here instead of on our hard hats. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're, they just like make their, like you give them the tools and information to just make their own right decision instead of resisting the, the quote unquote, like rules, I guess. Absolutely. And, and turning it to where you're not the one pushing the program that you and a and leadership aren't the only ones pushing the program exactly what you said is when you explain the why when you get people bought in on hey I can make this right decision on my own then you can start making baby steps towards a greater overall culture to where you're not afraid that the second you or management leaves the location that they're going to go out and do their own thing, their own way, the way that they always have, because it makes more sense to them. So that's incredible. And that's a huge breakthrough. And how did you, how did you get there? You're talking about explaining the why. And, you know, were you, even a few years ago, were you teaching on culture and leadership and those types of softer topics? Um, in addition to the safe land and first aid and H2S or did the company at that time allow that? So officially, no, that we never really 
worked through a, a particular like leadership program or something, but I just think innately, it's just part of my philosophy and, you know, who I am. So, I mean, back to probably my very first handful of safe land classes, I was incorporating things like, you know, even like cell phone usage and like, like how many safety people or just people who are really busy and really needed and everyone's calling them all the time. Like I used to change my cell phone ringer ringtone because yeah. it would give me like the worst anxiety if I would hear it ring after a while, because you're just so used to hearing that yeah. ring something like, on the other end, really needing you to stop what you're doing, you know, and, and go and, and go tend to that fire, you know, put out that fire or whatever. So just incorporating things that contribute to anxiety and stress mm -hmm. and, you know, a, a tipping in that work-life balance, just all of those things. Um, and I feel like I'm slowly as I've had, you know, a couple of kids and a lot of personal life changes, I'm slowly realizing like, you know, we go to work every day to trade our talent for money, you know, our, our talent, our time, you know, whatever you want to say and contribute to that greater vision at our workplace. It's not to go and be stressed and run down and feeling like you're not enough and, and God forbid the potential of feeling unsafe every single day. Mm -hmm. So like you said, how do you get, how do you get a company from a place where you're being like the helicopter safety person, you know, like yeah. a helicopter parent or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to want, like, I don't like that style. That's stressful for me. That's stressful for the employees. They constantly mm -hmm. think, oh, Becca's like zooming in. You know, what, what is she looking at today? So of course they're going to do everything right. You know, I think you have a good culture built when you have people calling you or, you know, walking through what could potentially be a mistake or something like that because you've built that trust with those people. So, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight, but it starts with you, I guess, like believing that, uh, that it's worth it and, and that you can get there. I think that that leads so beautifully into what I really wanted to talk with you today about, which is, um, when we last spoke off, um, off camera, offline was we talked about this kind of newer, concepts, not new to you, but maybe new to the mainstream safety world, this new concept about, and I, I don't want to butcher it, but did I hear you right? That it was embraced around mind, body, safety. Yeah. And so it. tell us more about that, because when you said that, it made so much sense immediately, because in my mind, just, you know, saying that simple sentence there, it took my mind to different places where, and, you, and you've kind of already touched on this, but it took me to the place of, if you're not okay, if Beck's not okay at home, she's not going to be okay in the workplace. And we're talking about, ex, you know, extreme stress at home for a worker. And when they go out and they're working around heavy equipment, they're, they're working at a potentially high hazardous environment, that that stress will show up no matter what, no matter, no matter what policy says, leave your or management or culture, whatever it is. I think that we're so beyond 
the idea that people need to leave their personal problems at the front door before they go into work. That doesn't exist, probably never did exist. It was just a cool saying to say, but as humans, we don't operate like that. And so, yeah, tell, like, tell me more about that. I'm just really interested. Yeah. So again, it's something that I've just recently given a title to and, and I want this to run as an initiative where, you know, people can use it just as like a little check-in, but yeah, mind, body, safety, you know, we hear mind, body, spirit, and we talk like we're, we're very aware of, I think, especially after, after everything last year with COVID, um, mental health has really come to the forefront. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, just all of the, the personal struggles and personal challenges of, of, yeah, just like life yeah. in general, nobody's exempt from, from those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the times when we go back in an incident investigation, or we are trying to maybe create something from our lessons learned or something like that, we always fall back to Um, these systemic issues, right? But then there's also some kind of human element in there. And that's what we talk about at Protect All all the time is this human element where somebody had the power to decide differently, maybe, but there was something conflicting that led them to do something else, you know? Um, And and it's just, it's really wild. and, And it can be trippy if you get that deep into the investigation, you know, because you start thinking about, what was that person thinking? What was that person feeling? And essentially the mind body safety initiative is just taking that into consideration. You know, like not only are we not just employees and not only are we not just people, but we have a mind that thinks things that then turns into actions and then turns into behaviors over a certain amount of time. Right. But we also have a body that's indicating to us what to do and how to do it. You know, you're going to act completely differently or make a completely different decision if you're in full-blown FRs in the West Texas heat. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. if you have this, your mind's telling you, hey, um, the right tool is, you know, X amount of yards that way in the truck, but your body's like, <laughs> bro, it's hot out here. You know, I'm going to die. I'm going to pass out. This is not okay. I'm a teacher. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So it's a simple example, but, you know, imagine if that simple decision that was contributed to by, by something your body was feeling was a factor in some kind of catastrophic thing that could happen. Right. And a lot of the times it is, you know, this stuff exists. And I say all the time, whether you believe in anxiety, believe in stress, believe in depression, whether you believe in it or not, like, it's real. You are affected and you can't, like you said, Apollonia, you can't just check that stuff at the door. You can't just pull onto location and shove down the fact that you just had a really difficult conversation with your partner or that your newborn baby kept you up all night and you've, you're already short on sleep for this week. I mean, that's like the story of our lives in this industry. So, yep what do we need to do to make that better? How can we check in with ourselves and really, again, like just mend that gap between doing the best that we can every single day, but also taking into consideration that we're, we're people, you know, we're not tools that can just be like polished and calibrated and 
put on the shelf and then pulled off the shelf and expected to perform at 100% capacity every single time. I think that's such a great way to put it. And going back to what you touched on um, is if we don't take care of ourselves, it's more mind-body safety. It's more of of making sure that we're okay. But when we're okay, we look out for everyone else around us. And so I completely relate to the idea, not even the idea, I completely relate to the reality of doing an incident investigation, several incident investigations where you're going into the mindset of the injured employee and it does get crazy nine times out of 10 because you're thinking, all right, you knew what to do, what was, you knew what was wrong and the employee's telling you, yep, I knew what I did was wrong. And so you're trying to understand, so then why? Why did you why did you proceed then if you knew what company policy was, you knew maybe what even common sense is telling you right now to not step over this, to not not utilize lockout tagout, whatever it is. So how did we get to this decision? And I agree that there's always somebody then right next to that person. He was also like, yep, I knew exactly what I, what he was doing was wrong. And we all sat back and watched him. And so you're just trying to understand, all right, what is the mindset here and how do we get here? So I completely relate to that. And I think that the, the idea of questioning ourselves, all right, what can we do about it? So if we are talking about a mind, body, safety, self-check-in, what is, I think that's a challenge maybe for, um, for everyone listening today is to take a look at your own safety com- or safety culture, culture, what, what are some practices that you're implementing right now, but how can you check in with the team better? How can you check in with yourself better? And what do you do if you, if you do identify that someone isn't showing up as their best that day, what are the action items there? So have you taught it sounds like you've maybe implemented this philosophy into your everyday training. Have you done a one on a one off class on this or how can safety professionals put this into their existing classes? Yeah, so I'm so glad you asked that because that's something that I'm actively working on developing. I didn't know that that it would be such a hit. You know, I've been getting so much positive feedback from people as I'm just kind of like exploring running with this, but I do intend to provide some, some materials, you know, and I'm a very, like, I very much believe too, that the the checklists and the, you know, like all the stuff that we can be weighed down with, I don't want to approach it that way because I want it to be very simple for people to, to execute, you know, and to, to kind of like weave into what they're already doing. And just as I'm doing more of my own research, things like you know, mindfulness in the workplace and quality of life and work-life balance, Mm -hmm. emotional health, spiritual health, like all of these things are playing so much more of a role in everyone's lives now. And especially, I'm not sure how much you guys have been diving into ESG with the environmental, social and governance regulations around like sustainable investing and things like that. That might be for another day, but Part of that is really investing in your people and your leadership and how you're giving back to your communities, how you're becoming not just a profitable company, but what are you actually doing to make a difference in the world? 
right. you know? So as I'm seeing a lot of this stuff trickle down, not just in our industry either, I'm realizing that, you know, I, I really do believe that mind body safety has a place, you know, and people are open to it. 10 years I, ago, people would not have been open to That's that. where my mind went. My mind went just there. I was just about to ask you 10 years ago. I mean, what, I mean, I'm thinking like, eight, seven years ago that this wouldn't have no caught on. But as a, as a safety consultant, you're able to work with different companies right now. How have you seen companies embrace this right now? Have, so you, you're telling us that people, you're saying that people are open and receptive to talk, starting the conversation about mindfulness at the, yeah. work, in the workplace, um, mental health, so what have you seen companies, what are the trends that you're seeing companies move towards? Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing. I just actually did my my audit with Veriforce for Safeland to yeah. be an instructor, right? And yeah. I've been a Safeland instructor now for 10 years. So <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I can't even believe that. But I remember vividly one of my very first Safeland trainings. I'm teaching the section on stop work authority. And yes. uh, you know, a gentleman who had been in the industry for way longer than I had even known what safety was, right? Yes. yes. Do you know what would happen to me if I tried to stop work? You know, he was like, do you have any idea how it actually works out there? There's no way. And just completely like. Totally dismissed. The same totally year. dismissed stop work authority. And then like fast forward to, to here and to your question. Now I'm witnessing people. And as you know, right, we're, we're kind of looking funny at people who don't stop work. We're kind of like. You know, What's wrong like, with you? Yeah, you you might get <laughs> reprimanded because you didn't stop work. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, you knew what you were doing was wrong, or that so that so and so next to you, like that's not okay. It's not tolerated now. Exactly, and you know, Andy, the president of Protect All, and I have these conversations all the time. And in his, he actually has a, a leadership track, you know, that, that we can talk about later as well. And it's the power of one leadership track where he talks about this all the time. And it makes so much sense. You know, after OSHA was implemented, you know, and, and we start doing all of these things, we see some success in our safety efforts and injuries are going down, incidents are going down, all of that stuff. But like what's happened over the past five years? Nothing, like incidents are going up all the right. rates are going up or, or we're flatlining, we're making no progress. So to your point, people are, are wondering, like they're at their wits end. It's like, what else can we do? If we have the policies, have the procedures, we're, we're doing our JSAs. Our guys know our life-saving rules and our 10, you know, commandments. Commandments of the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. They, they know them. They're wearing their PPE. They're pro providing excellent service. They're having their safety meetings. We're checking every single box. And guess what? People are still getting hurt. Incidents are still going up. Why? Because you're missing that fact, right? That we're humans and, and we have stuff going on. So people are looking at things like emotional intelligence, how to invest in their leaders. Just because you've worked at a company for 15 years doesn't make you a good leader. You right. can be extremely knowledgeable, but you don't know how to manage people or influence them in a way to make that culture what, what you're trying to, to make it, you know? So I think that now more than ever, just with, for somebody who's very data-based, 
look at the numbers. By all means, look at them. They're, they're telling us that every effort we're putting in is still not good enough. So maybe if you're crazy enough to believe that mindfulness and presence in the workplace could help you, you know, if you're crazy enough to invest money in your leaders for leadership development, and not just from a run-of-the-mill, like, we're going to come hype you up and motivate you, but from people who actually are integrated in your industry, you know, and we're starting to see people take on to it and realize, like, this might be the, like, one of the missing links, you know, this might be something that can help us become more, um, just like more focused on that, that culture and less focused on like, what are we doing wrong on the, on the progress, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. I, yeah. And I, that gives me chills, like the way that you just explained that. And that's another thing that I, I mean, that's, that's something that all the listeners right now could really relate to and, and really understand um, because the numbers don't lie. And you're right. OSHA has their numbers on their website. Incidents are not going down. And companies are, you know, let's say, for example, the oil and gas boom, like, sure, we just, um, we, we slowed down production was, but even at that height, and even when it's evened out is that incidents have remained the same. And that's when companies had budgets for safety training. I mean, you were, you know, we were training like crazy a few years ago, last year on oil and gas and, or the last year and a half, you were, companies were investing in their employees in the basics though. Everyone was doing the basics and operators were requiring the utmost of their contractors not that long ago. And even to today, they have the, the strictest that we've ever seen of safety expectations. And you're right. Incidents have not gone down. So obviously something is missing. And how exciting is it that it is, it's clear to me. I mean, and I love how you, how you said that is if you're crazy enough to believe <laughs> that mental health and mindfulness and that type of awareness in the workplace could could do something for us to be safer, to make sure that our employees are in a safer environment. And I love starting that conversation. This is, this is amazing. And what are some things that you've seen? Um, if any, have you seen companies embrace any type of these programs? Can you give us some little, um, little teasers, some examples of what maybe some safety professionals can implement um, after listening to this podcast as far as how do we, what is the first step into doing something like this at our company? Yeah, I mean, I would say if, if somebody's just wanting to start with exactly what they have, you know, because a lot of my safety experience has been like doing what I can with what I've got. I love that. I love that. I love that because too much, right. Too much is going to be too much. And you're right. You, I love how you said, I don't want this to be another checklist, another. So I think that's great advice. If you want to implement something new in your safety, you already are in a uphill battle. Everyone's going to hate you. Be mad. So if you could start really, really small. Yeah. What would that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, what I would say is to, to do whatever it takes for you to be as present as possible doing what you're doing. So, so many of us get caught up in the mix 
and we're moving and grooving and we're busting through JSAs and we're passing it around and we're signing it or we're in there to do a training and we're just moving, 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 you know, and we accomplish it when we check the box. But afterwards, it's like, what did we all really get out of that? So I think that like slowing down and mindfully, you know, distributing this training material or mindfully having conversations with people or when you're in the office or when you're in the field, like leaving your laptop, leaving your phone, looking Mm -hmm. people in the eye and asking them, like, how are you today? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like how simple question. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can you show me what you're doing? You know, do you need anything from me? Can you explain to me what's been going on? You know, just letting I guess just work, working with what you've got, like letting your people tell you what they need. So many times I feel like we're looking for all of these answers externally. Mm-hmm. And if we would just like have an actual meeting and give people the opportunity to share what they have going on, you, you learn so much. Or if you notice somebody's off this morning or maybe has like what you perceive as a little bit of an attitude or something, it's like, hey, like dude, what's going on? Like, why don't we go over here and, and, and talk about it for a minute? Because those little conversations really go a long way. And you end up finding these things out that if one person's experiencing it, most likely there are others, you know, and just getting more bang for your buck. You know, we think we have to move quickly. And this is actually something I heard on a podcast, um, just yesterday. I don't know if you know, Gary V. Gary V. Yeah. 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 So um, this morning on the way, on the way here, I love him. He, one of his recent podcasts, he was interviewing the global marketing officer of Dole Sunshine Company. And he said, he explained what's called the, um, the rocking horse phenomenon. And, and it's something I'm pretty sure he came up with, but it's basically like all of these people, you know, we're like going back and forth and we're like, Hey mom, look at us. We're like doing our thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then like 10 years later, they look back and they're still in the same spot. So there's a ton of motion. Oh my gosh. A ton of movement, you know, and we're constantly, right? Like as a safety person, you're on the phone, you're in the field, you're in the shop, you're in the facilities, you're on a plane, you're doing this, you're doing that, blah, 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 blah. But then you're like, but actually I made no progress, you know? So wow. solid conversation, one solid JSA toolbox talk, safety meeting, one solid wave of training, you know, just like do it really good that first time do it really good whenever you're face to face with people and they take like it's genuine mm-hmm. you know it's genuine and it sticks and that allows you to step away from that helicopter mode of constantly needing to be like okay who's where and what and what's happening and what's going on to i know that i've contributed to a culture that knows what to do in mm-hmm a particular situation and I will hear about it when they need me, you know, or they know they can reach out to me when they need me instead of that anxious, like, you know, that anxious feeling of feeling like you have to handle it all. We really have to invest in our people and let them do what they're good at. Mm -hmm. And I think that almost defines the definition of success as a safety professional is that you aren't the one out there like you said the having the anxiety am i making sure am i making sure that everyone is doing what they're supposed to be doing am i you know is everything going right here 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 
when you can empower people, just like you said, to make the right decisions with or without you, and you've given them all the tools and all the knowledge that you possibly can that the company has, that the company has given all the tools and resources and knowledge to an employee to make the right decision. And then when they need help, you're there as a resource, as a mentor, um, as somebody that can point them in the right direction versus you being the sole driving person for the safety programs. That's an uphill battle that you'll never win. And so I just, I love that philosophy and I love the the overall philosophy that safety is so much more. It's so much more than the regulations. How can we humanize the safety experience? And I talk about this with a lot of guests on the podcast, and I know that you agree with this, but my philosophy is that there isn't a safety culture at a company. You walk into a company and there's just a culture. There isn't the culture of something in the office or uh, corporate and whatever, like there's just a culture that is your safety culture. Sure. Um, but that culture will determine what you do in a safety sensitive situation, but yeah. with leadership if management, if they don't care if production is the most high priority for that company, then that is the culture that is the safety culture. So I totally agree. It's, it's the health of the company. Like, yes, as we look at safety separately, it yes. is separate. And until you can completely, like it has to come from the top. Yeah. And I guess I've been a little spoiled and blessed and whatever else. But like I said, it's, it's what I knew first. So I had that taste in my mouth, like from day one in safety. And that has been my bar, you know, that's been my expectation. So I've had the privilege of working with companies who didn't have much of a culture, like a, you know, much of a safety mindset at all, let alone even like a culture that was vibing, you know, within just the management, you know, and take it to something that was really well functioning and able to sustain. And um, it's, it's just been really cool to witness like the world pivot to a place where safety is slowly not becoming separate. You know, it's, it's slowly becoming more integrated into everything. People are realizing that it's better to be proactive. You know, it's better to involve it from the get-go than figure out what happens when you don't. So. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, I just... I can't believe, first of all, that it's been 45 minutes. <laughs> that doesn't seem like it's real life. I can't believe that I just talked to you like that. But I would love to do a you know a part two, a second series of this to follow up with you because I know that this is a newer concept as far as rolling it, you rolling it out to the public and getting um, your clients involved and working with different companies on this mind body safety. Uh, philosophy. And so I would love to touch base and then and, and follow up to see, hey, what trainings have been, and you're in the works of the training. So what, how has the training been um, evolving and what, how have companies embraced this and what are some success stories and what are some action items um, that we could do as listeners? Because I'm so excited to see this play out and I'd love to be um, implementers of this too. You know, me, and true safety and what we have going on in Colorado and people listening, uh, you guys heard back say that this is not just her knowledge that she's just going to keep and she's the only one that can 
um, <laughs> that can enforce the mind body safety, but that you want this to be something that we're all pushing forward as safety professionals at, in our organization. So please um, utilize this in your companies. And we can't wait to hear about your official training and more uh, more resources from you so that we can um, implement this at our companies. Thank you so much. Holy so smokes, exciting. yes, absolutely. If you want to, if you have any further questions, if you want to get in contact with Beck, um, she would absolutely love that. And we're going to link all of her social media um, accounts onto this podcast so that you could get in touch with her directly. But Beck, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I had an amazing conversation and we will chat soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team, where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program, and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode.